0: Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me if you will to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And I want to look at a subject. Simple subject, many of you have probably heard this story before in Acts chapter 16. and uh, This is one that we will hear, but then I, I want us to participate tonight. Can you do that tonight? Can we do that? Yes. We put the word of God into practice. Uh, the word is not meant to just be merely preached, it's meant to be practiced and um, sometimes, I, you know, that's an element that really bears the fruit of the word that is sown. And just as I was praying, I was praying from a passage in Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the sower where Jesus is communicating to the multitude. But then he turns and he explains to his disciples that when the word is ministered, spoken, it's sown. There's intentionality on the part of the sower, but not, sometimes there's not always a receptivity on the part of the soil. I'll say that again. Then there's a There's an intentionality on the part of the sower of what he intends the word to do, or in this case, the seed to do. I mean, we have a lot of farmers and a lot of ag around this area, so you know, this is easy to kind of grasp hold of. You drive by fields probably almost every day. At some point, you, you see some type of agriculture in this community. And, 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 and that wasn't just somebody that, you know, had some seed drop out of his pocket or, or, or said, what do I do with this and just chunked it out the window and it just happened to bear this wonderful crop, uh, you know, at the end of the year or whatever season it produces. That was intentionality. They, they did that Intentionally. And when they put that seed in the ground, they don't see a seed, they see a harvest, they see a tree, they see a crop, they see cotton. There's an expectation based upon what's going in the ground. Here's what I'm going to see. In due time, we shall reap, the Bible says. And so the sower sows the word, Matthew chapter 13. I'm not going to minister from there, I'm just trying to set us up a little bit. And... So that word is sown with intentionality, but we see on the back end, it's got to be received by the soil. The soil really determines the crop. And Jesus's ministry was a product of this. Jesus ministered. How many of you know Jesus was a powerful minister? And when the word went forth, I mean, he was the word. It didn't just say he spoke the word. He was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then the word came to this earth, became flesh, dwelt among you and I, full of grace and truth. We, we, we didn't even know what was right in front of us, but, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when he's speaking, man, when, when he's ministering uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount or he's telling his parables or all these different things, he's ministering a word that has the potential to produce something. And you got to know this every time you, you, you come into this facility. Look, there's many reasons why we come to church. And, and, and I have people that say, man, I just love the worship there. Man, I just love the word there. I love the fellowship. Everybody's just so hospitable, so nice. And, and look, we want to fire on all cylinders. And we recognize that to different people, there's going to be different things that stand out. But, but we are a word church. I want you to know that. We are a word church. I told our leadership several years ago, probably need to reiterate it, that that everything we do is to get people to the word. What I mean by that is if we're mean to you at the doors, you're not going to receive the word in here. If we're unskilled or not put together or don't know what we're doing up here during worship, it's gonna hinder the receptivity of the word. Some of you are mature enough, you'll break through with that. But most of us, look, we're, we're, we're looking for certain things, but it's all to get us to the word. This right here, what, what we're doing right now, I'm not saying I'm the most important. I'm saying this is the most important. And God has placed a gift and a call on my life to administer that and to deliver the word to you in a way that can be received. You ever heard someone... Uh, that, that, that uh, struggled communicating the word. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to call their name out, and if it's me, uh, keep it to yourself, please. <laughs> I'm a work in progress, too. But, but there, there's a need for the ability to communicate the word where it's received. And, and, and look, uh, someone told me one time, he said, note-takers are history makers. I like that. Note takers are history makers. And I'm not looking around the room judging right now who's taking notes and who's not. I, 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 you know, that's up to you. I, there, there's some people that I've looked at and they don't do jack squat while they're on the front row, but I'll have a conversation with them later and they regurgitate the entire message like, my gosh, you did get something. Everybody's different. But I'm, I'm telling you right now that, that, that you know, it's, I can't think of a time that I've sat in a service I will find something to write on. I'll get a crayon. I'll write on the backside of an envelope. I'll do something to get the word down. And now, you know, we've got devices. I'm hoping you're not texting it on Facebook. You're getting the word down in Evernote or whatever, putting it in the notes app or saving it for later. We got to get the word in us because it's not good enough that the word is sown. It's got to be received. That's what that whole parable shows us. Four accounts and only one was fruitful. That's not a great percentage. I mean, if you ask any investor, I can give you a 25% of return on your investment. No thanks. (laughs) Not going to do that. But yet the sower goes out and he sows the word. And some falls by the wayside. That's the the one that the enemy comes by and he just plucks up. You know, the enemy is, is hungry for this. If you're not, he is. Not that he wants it, but he wants to take it from you. The enemy wants to work right now and in the car on the way home and tomorrow morning with as rough it may, as it may be and, and, and whatever else that may come up, he wants to pluck up what is being sown right now. And then there's seed that's sown. It says it was even received with great joy. That means they shouted amen. That means that they uh, wrote it down. I mean, they were excited. Man, that's the word I needed. I needed that word. They shared on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. But then it says that the cares of the world, Come and they choke it out. And then there's another case where the word's received. And it begins to take a little bit of root. But then the riches and the pleasures and the pursuits of the world become a priority over the word of God. But then there's a word that goes and it said it is sown on good ground, good soil. I hope we have a room tonight full of the 25%. We have 100% of the 25%. That's that's my goal, that's my wish, that's my my desire every time we come in because I I feel a great weight and responsibility, especially in these last days where this can become become compromised and become watered down and and we live for the pleasures of men rather than the pleasures of God. And and in, in, in a day and age where we want to Receive the word of God in its totality, wholeness, in, in everything that it has for me. And I don't want to leave anything out. And, and, and I, I was reading a book just this past week and they, it was talking about the, the power of the word of God, but talking about the historical attributes of the word of God. And it's interesting that there even has to be a verse in here that says anybody that takes away and adds to, like, what do we really think we could do to manipulate the word to make it better than it already is? What could I possibly leave out to make it better? Or what could I possibly add to it? I mean, when you really study the Bible, over 40 uh, uh, some odd authors but Over a time span of, of fifteen to, to 1,700 years it was written, and not once does it conflict with one another, but it actually expounds and builds upon one another. How You can't even get two people to agree on, on it. They got 40 of them. And, and so the validity of the Word of God and the power of the Word of God, it's there. Are we receiving it? Are we getting it? And, and that's why I like these midweek services, because... Uh, you know, uh, to use an old school term, it's Bible study. And I know for some of our young adults and college students, saying, it's study. <laughs> I don't want to hear that word anymore. I I've had enough study. And, but but, but it, it says to what? Study to show yourself approved unto God. It doesn't say here to show yourself approved. It says study, taking it a little bit deeper. And that's what these Wednesday nights are for. So, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is an interesting passage, an interesting passage. Let's just start with, um, start with verse 11. No, 16, jump down to 16. Let's go there. Acts chapter 16. It says, now... It happened as we went to prayer. This is Paul and Silas speaking. Now it happened as we uh, went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, I mean, if you know, you can, you, can, you can be in the Spirit and still be annoyed. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to what? The Spirit. The Spirit. You know, we've... we've, we've, we've mark the beginning of this year and this month specifically on a series talking about the health of our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And, and one thing I want to make sure that we don't miss out on uh, in light of that, although I believe the soul realm uh, to a degree has been neglected, um, you know, in our church circles and, and, and we want to minister to the spirit and we absolutely need to minister to the spirit. You come into the kingdom as a baby, which means you need to build your spirit man. I heard a preacher the other day uh, say, I'm not one of those preachers that tells people what to listen to, what kind of music to listen to, and what kind of movies to watch. I'm not one of those preachers. Well, then you must not be one of those preachers that cares about the spiritual development of an individual. Because if you really understood that you're not just watching a movie and you're not just listening to music, but you are feeding your spirit. Or, neglecting your spirit. And so we have to keep this in mind that we have a spirit man on the inside that needs to grow up, needs to develop. Uh, uh, Paul made a big deal out of the maturity of the believer in the spirit. I mean, he went back to a church that he planted in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter three. And and, and, uh, he planted that church and was with them. And then he left the church and handed it off to a man named Apollos. And then he's writing the book of Corinth and, and hearing about all the garbage that's taking place in the church. And he says, by now, brethren, it means he's talking to the church, you ought to be able to eat meat. But I have to continue to bottle feed you with the milk of the word, Why? Uh, because you are talking about each other, you're gossiping, you're envious of one another, and then he gets into some really crazy junk later on, and 1 Corinthians is not a fun book to read. I mean, uh, adulteries and uh, people taking each other to court and just all kinds of messed up stuff happening in that church. He, he called it immaturity. He called you, you, you have failed to develop you're spirit man. And and this is what the Lord told me. He said, you know, the spirit or spirits, they're to be cast out. The soul is to be counseled, and the flesh is to be crucified. So three things he showed me. And sometimes I think that we try to apply one means to another entity. Sometimes I think we try to counsel what needs to be cast out. You don't, you, don't, you don't counsel spirits. Paul isn't saying, I've got a 12-step program for this girl. Paul isn't saying, I need to see you in my office once a week for the next uh, 12 weeks. Paul is not trying to counsel. This is not a mind, will, or emotion issue. She has given herself over to a spirit Now, what's wrong with what's being said? I mean, the spirit is is saying, you know, these men are followers of the most high God. They claim to show us the way of salvation. What she's saying is correct. The source where she is saying it from is the problem. That's the problem that we have. Because if we believe her when she says that, we'll believe her when she says anything else. I mean, demons, when Jesus showed up, Demons came out. What have you to do with us? Don't cast us out or or send us over. I mean, there was one time they actually sent to be, asked to be sent to some pigs. The man with the legion of demons. Yeah. And so we've got to be careful what we're addressing. We're talking about the soul realm and there is a, a counsel to that. And there is a, look, we got to mend patterns and behaviors. and We've got to take care. I mean, we don't know all the past trauma in this young girl's life that got her to this point. This is when we're introduced to her. But how did you get there? I remember uh, several years ago at our church in in St. Augustine, they did a Halloween outreach called Legion based on the man uh, in the Bible with the Legion of Demons. And they took some liberty to uh, uh, create this video that you watch of how the man ended up with these demons. And then it became a live program where Legion is out on the stage and is confronted by Jesus, and Jesus saves him, and then we evangelize and, and win people to the Lord. Really cool program that they did. And uh, uh, just just trying to, and so I, I want to say that they use something uh, like he always tried to go to his father for validation and his father never paid any attention to him uh, and then he ended up in some kind of sexual impurity uh, with, with the girl and, and it caused some things and all these things was the buildup uh, to the demon possession within his life. I'm not saying that literally those, that's how demons come in. We're not having that conversation. I'm saying that there is a soul realm and there is a spirit realm. That's what I'm saying. How I address my spirit realm is different than how I address my soul realm. And so in this case, Paul is not addressing the woman's, this young girl's mind, will, and emotions. He is addressing a spirit that has come upon her that is causing her to live against the way she should. Okay? And so he's, he, he, Turned, greatly annoyed, turned to the Spirit, I command you what? In the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't just say, I command you to come out, because there's no authority in that. He says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. How could he do that? Because Jesus, before he left, said, I'm giving you all authority. He said, I give to you authority over unclean spirits. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will speak with new tongues. These are all things that Jesus said to uh, the followers, the, the very few followers that he had as he's being uh, uh, you know, lifted up into heaven, ascending into heaven. And so Paul is just simply operating as Jesus told him to operate. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that Very hour because they have to obey. We just worshiped the name above all names. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And He came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities and they brought them to the magistrates and said these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. It's amazing you could perform a miracle and what's a miracle to one person is trouble to another. It's perception. I mean that's what we were talking about in our first week you know what what is done or what is spoken is not always perceived on that same level. And so you would think that they would rejoice. You would think that that they would be excited, but they said, no, 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 they're troubling our city. And all they did was obey God. All, All they're doing is doing exactly what God sent them to do. And you think people would be excited we think if we saw miracles take place, you know, I've had people, man, if the deaf ear opened, you can bet your church would be packed out the next weekend. Not necessarily. That does not always bear truth. You think people would come, and then, you know, you got a group that wants to come just to see a magic show. And then you got a group that even in the midst of the miracle, they want to deny the miracle, we saw that last week with the Pharisees and the blind, the, the, the man that was restored blind. Where is he? What did he look like? Didn't get a good look at him. He healed my eyes. We talked about that last week. It's amazing how people will respond to miracles. And so, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs, which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. So they immediately draw a line, Druze, Romans, and, and, and they're looking for something to accuse them of. Then the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. And fasten their feet in the stocks. This is not going according to plan. What do we do when obeying God doesn't go according to plan? What do we do when being smack dab in the will of God actually brings trouble, trial, and not what we think? it's gonna look like when we get our miracle or when God, could, could we see somebody else get a miracle at the expense of our trouble? You know, last week we talked about comfort. This isn't very comfortable now. I'm obeying God. I'm doing as he commanded me. The miracle took place. There's no denying it. And now I'm in more trouble than if I would have just kept my mouth shut and minding my own business. I mean, I was doing fine, God. I could have just ignored her. I could have just carried on. But no, God wanted to use Paul and Silas in that moment to set that girl free. But now her freedom has cost them theirs. She's set free, but they're not. She's set free, but now they're the ones in chains. The chains have come off of her, but now they're in chains. But see, this is the thing. Are they really? What do we determine are our chains? Because she was locked up in a place where many people are, but yet they look free, while other people that look like they're in trial and in trouble are really more free than anybody else around them. This is really what I want to get to tonight is because so many times our peace is limited to our experience. So many times our freedom in life is experience to our situation. I was listening to someone minister and and, and they made this statement. They were reading a verse out of Zechariah, I believe, speaking of Jesus coming, the Messiah coming and it used the phrase the path of peace. And and he just pointed out that it didn't say the path to peace because peace isn't a destination. Peace is in the experience. Peace isn't what I'm trying to get to, but this is what a lot of us limit our peace or freedom to. I mean, there's, There's one couple that says, uh, when I I finally am able to have children, I'll, I'll be at peace. It's just such a struggle having children and bearing children. But then there's another couple that's saying, when my kids graduate high school and get out of my stinking house and get off my insurance, then I'll be at peace. It's interesting what we limit our peace to. It's interesting what we limit our freedom to. We see two scenarios where people are bound, locked up. But we're going to go on to read here that although Paul and Silas are literally in chains, there's a different outcome. Verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And it goes on to say that they were so loud that the prisoners were listening to them. I think it's funny that it doesn't call Paul and Silas prisoners. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners around them were listening to them. See, this is the thing. Your... Your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook on a situation determines your outcome of the situation. But so many times we reverse that. What I think my outcome is going to be determines my outlook of the situation. And so now we go through this experience or we go through this challenge or we go, look, There, let, let's just get real. Their backs are wide open They are in a lot of pain. I mean, you hit me with a stick once and I'm gonna be in some pain. They didn't stop at one. They're in the innermost prison. This is the worst place you can be. And we're just talking about the present moment. We have no idea what's gonna happen tomorrow. They could take our heads off, kill us, take us somewhere else, leave us here. I mean, we have, we, we, and, and this is what our minds do. We get into a challenge, but it's no longer just about the challenge. It's about where the challenge is gonna take us. We let our minds run. I think it's interesting that there is nothing between, nothing between he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks, verse 24. And then verse 25 but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. There's nothing in between there. And I think that that's how quick you have to make the decision that I'm going to worship and praise and get my mind right in the midst of this scenario. Because if you let your mind run, it'll start to control you instead of you controlling it. Now, obviously, it gives us a time frame, midnight. But I think the fact that there's no gap there that that tells us what their conversation was like while sitting down in this pit. They weren't letting their conversation begin to align with how horrible the situation looked like. But instead, their communication, I mean, they're not even talking to one another. Sometimes you can't even talk to people about how bad it is. I know I'm really confusing you now because I just told you two weeks ago, expose your weaknesses. And talk. To, but now I'm telling you, sometimes you've just got to know I've got to war with this thing, battle with this thing, and it's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. I'm not fighting flesh and blood. These prisoners didn't put me in here. The enemy is coming against the call of God on my life, and the fact that I'm in this dungeon is just an indication of the threat I am to his darkness. And I'm not going to allow, I'm not going to sit here and mold this thing over. I'm not going to sit here and just keep talking about how bad it is and keep talking about what's not right and keep talking about how wrong it is that they put me in here and I was just following God and now I'm not even going to let myself get mad at God. I'm just going to praise and I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship and I'm going to see what God's going to do with that. Amen. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas... We were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Uh, pastor Marcus makes this statement a lot. You know, he's a worship pastor, our worship pastor down in St. Augustine, Florida. I've got to start doing that because I can't assume that everybody knows everybody that we know. Pastor Marcus is our worship pastor down in our uh, Anchor Faith Church, St. Augustine location my best friend, and he makes this statement a lot. Your problem doesn't get God's attention. I hear him say that all the time. Your problem doesn't get God's attention. He knows about it. He says that he knows what I need before I even ask. But my problem isn't what gets him off the throne. My problem isn't what what gets him to start. It says my faith gets God's attention. Anybody want to get God's attention in the middle of a situation? It's my faith. It's my faith. My problem doesn't get his attention, but my faith will. He notices faith. I mean, if, if the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God, then that must tell me he has a high value on faith. He places a very high value. Uh, Faith is at God's top priority. That's what faith is. Faith gets God's attention. When God sees someone in faith, that's, that's why God picked the people he picked to do what he picked them to do. That's why Abraham was called the father of many nations. I'm not going to pick someone that can have kids left and right. I'm going to pick the one that can't have kids and is beyond the age of having kids, is the least likeliest. That's who I'm picking. Who am I going to pick to go against Goliath? I'm not going to pick a man of war. I'm not going to pick a, a skilled, uh, 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 you know, someone skilled in warfare. I, I'm not going to kick uh, or I'm not going to pick, uh, you know, Jack Bauer or James Bond or, you know, whoever else you think is, is who you would want going to battle for you. He said, find me the shepherd boy. Find me the musician. Find me the one uh, uh, that, that, that's out there singing to me because the one that knows me is the one that's going to win. I need need different criteria. I I need something that looks a little different than what man would pick. Man looks at the natural appearance, uh, uh, appearance, but God looks at the heart because that's where faith lies. Faith lies in my heart. That's That's what God does. God is always moved by faith. So it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing hymns to God. So this is the question. The question isn't what situation are you in. It's what you do with the situation that you're in. Now, now these, these two gentlemen here, That this is not when you... Pray and sing. Not when you're in a dark. Now, that, that's, that's for the church service, Paul. I don't, hear the, I, don't, I don't see the worship team on the stage. You know how many of us limit our praise and our worship to this right here? That's the only time we open our mouths, if we even open our mouths at that time. Have you ever noticed how big your God seems on Sunday morning? And how small he seems on Monday. Is that because he changed size? Or is it because we changed perspective? See, we magnify him in this place. We lift him up in this place. We talk about how great and mighty he is. We, we talk about how awesome he is. We talk about a miracle can happen now. For the spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around we we talk about that we sing that we're we're lifting up his name so it's no wonder when you walk out of here you're encouraged that my god can save me my god can deliver me if he brought those four if he brought those uh three boys out of that fire he can bring me out too if he can help me if he can help david conquer the giant he can help me conquer my giants if he can help them get over that mountain he can take away the mountains and my and 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 we we have that excitement but it doesn't last not because god is is changing this scenario, but because we no longer have the same perspective through praise. Praise is a perspective. Praise is a perspective. So many of us limit our praise to a response. It's reactionary. I'll praise him when I get it. But the Bible shows us that we praise him to get it. we can ask the question what would have happened if it said but at midnight Paul and Silas were grumbling and complaining to God do you think that we would have verse 26 suddenly there was a great multitude or a great earthquake suddenly there was a great earthquake does grumbling and complaining bring the result God can swing those doors open at any point God can deliver you God can set you free God can come and and bring major breakthrough in your life but but there is a response that we are responsible for and and we cannot just sit idly by in our trials and in our tragedies and in our afflictions and and in our struggles of life and 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 Use our mouth to just say whatever and expect God to show up and, and, and show out. I mean, you've heard me say it before. If you're in faith, people should know. You should sound like you're in faith. He said what? Speak to the mountain and it shall be removed and cast into the sea. He doesn't say point to it. He doesn't say stare at it. He doesn't say talk about it. He doesn't say grumble and complain about the mountain. He says, speak to the mountain. And it shall be cast into the sea. Either that's true or it's not, guys. Either this is just made up fairy tales, fake news. Or we believe God at his word. And we can't get caught up in the how. Because that's what we want to do. We want to formulate God rather than have faith in God. We want to formulate a plan and say, you know, Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing and the doors flung wide open. And so I'm going to pray and sing and my doors are going to, you you can't do that. You got to say, God, I'm going to put myself in a posture in a position of faith in you. Worship team, if you come. And then I'm going to leave how you do it up to you. It's my job to believe. It's your job to perform. I said, it's my job to believe and it's your job to perform. We're gonna stay on tremble. I wanna sing this again because the darkness does tremble. Jesus, Jesus, fear has to go. I don't know. I, I, that's why I told you earlier to put a name to it. Call it out. What is the trial, the struggle? Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's lack. Maybe, I, I don't know what it is. It, it could be numerous things in this room tonight. And you've got an opportunity. Am I going to praise through it? Or am I going to complain about it? Am I saving my praise for when I get the answer? Am I saving my praise? Don't save your praise. Use your praise. Praise is your weapon tonight. Praise is your weapon tonight. Who knows what God can do? Who knows what, you, what God can do? It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. See, God doesn't want to just deliver you from the thing. He wants to shake the very foundation of the thing that's holding you. Because when the foundation's broken, you can't go back to it. You can't go back to it. See, some of us just want to be delivered from fear. And God wants to shake the foundations of fear that fear can no longer have its grip on you anymore. he's wanting to shake the foundations of cancer that it can't come back on that I declare in the name of Jesus that's the Word of God that's the Word of God stand up with me stand up with me I said we would participate the foundations are breaking tonight the doors are flying wide open foundation in the name of Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands. His presence is here. The King is here. The King is here. Choose to praise tonight. Choose to praise through the problem. Choose to praise through the affliction. What is praise? Praise is lifting up who God is. Lifting up who God is. Telling Him how awesome He is. Telling Him how mighty He is. Telling Him how great He is. That you're even here. That you've even made it this far. That He has seen you through. Not just to it. He's going to see you through it. Praise Him. Worship Him. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they're all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.